Welcome to day five of week one of our look through Joshua. We're going to be looking at much of Joshua chapter two today. Now, those of you that usually study in drive time devotions know that this is a little change from how we usually do an Old Testament book. Oftentimes, I'll do a chapter a week in an Old Testament book. But the way Joshua happens to, to lay itself out, much of the last part of the book is just about how they divided up the land. And it's chapter after chapter after chapter about this guy got this portion, this guy got this portion, this guy got this portion. So instead of laying it out a chapter a week, we're just going to let the book sort of speak for itself. And some weeks we'll do two chapters, some weeks one, some weeks three or four chapters. It'll be about a five-week, five-six-week study as we walk through the book of Joshua together that way. Joshua chapter 2 is a chapter that's about how you begin to measure out God's vision for your life. Before a victory can be won, you have to have a vision of the victory that God is working to win in your life. You can't just think, well, he's working to do something. There has to become a vision, something in your mind, something in your life that says, God's doing something. This is where he wants me to go. This is who he wants me to love. This is how he wants me to love. It has to become more specific. Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. And in order for God's vision to become specific in your life, one of the first things he does is he asks you to measure out what he's doing. Part of the vision that God has for our lives is the same for every believer. Every one of us, he has the vision of an abundant life for us. Every one of us, he has the vision of the fruit of the Spirit being fulfilled in our lives. Every one of us, he has the vision of ministry that makes a difference through our service in this world. Part of the vision is the same for every believer. But part of the vision, and that's what we're looking at today, is unique to you. Where God wants you to serve, who God wants you to serve, how God wants you to serve, how God wants you to love. And that vision that's unique to you, sometimes we call that your dream. Sometimes we call that your vision. And God wants to give you a big dream. By big, I don't mean in comparison with anyone else. I just mean in your own life, something you never expected he could do. Only he could do this in your life. That's what I mean by big. So how does it begin to happen? Here's Joshua. He's on the edge of this huge piece of real estate we now call Israel. And he's being told, you're going to go take possession of this land. How's he even going to begin? He begins by measuring out the dream, by looking closely at what God's going to do. He doesn't look at it to doubt it. He doesn't look at it to consider whether God wants to do this in his life or not. He looks at it so that it can begin to more possess, more more significantly possess his life. Now, in this chapter, there are three specific things that happen that I think help you and I to learn about how to measure out God's dream for our lives. The first thing that happens is in verse 1, the sending of the two spies. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go and look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Go and view the land. He's saying to them, set in your mind the victory that God wants to achieve. Begin to see in your mind the victory that God wants to achieve. Why? Because it's an exercise in faith that God can bless. You need to do this in your life. Begin to see in your mind the victory that God wants to achieve. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about, I'm talking about godly thinking. Beginning to think about what God wants to do in your life. He does his work in this world through faithful people who exercise faith in him. So you have to have faith in him, specific faith. The question is, what land do you need to survey? They needed to survey a physical land, but for you, what what land do you need to survey? It may be a person that you need to witness to. You need to begin to think about 
them becoming a believer in Christ. It may be a ministry that you need to begin. You go and view it. You move in your mind to, boy, it sure would be nice if they became a Christian too. I believe God wants me to do this so that they can become a Christian. You move in your mind from, it would be really wonderful if somebody started this ministry to, I believe God wants me to do something about this. Now, notice, I hope you noticed, that Joshua sent in two spies. Do you see anything significant about that? Remember, there were 12 spies that went in originally to the promised land 40 years before. Joshua and Caleb were the only two who brought back a positive report. Joshua found out the 12 spies thing, that didn't work. So he found the two faithful men that he could trust. He sent them in. He didn't need any more negative committee reports. So he sent out the two faithful men. He needed men who would encourage confidence in the Lord. That's what you need as you measure out God's promise in your life. There are a lot of naysayers out there. There's a lot of people you can find who will tell you why God could never do this in your life. But who's the one, who are the two who can help you to see what God wants to do? I think all of us have to be careful as we measure out God's dream in our lives to not constantly look for nightmares. You're measuring what he can do, not what you can't do. Of course, based on your own power, you couldn't live out this dream. That's why it's God's dream and not your dream. When you're measuring out God's dream in your life, you don't confuse the decision-making phase with the problem-solving phase. First, you decide this is what God wants me to do, and then you step into the land and you fight the battles. So the first thing that we see are the two spies. You go and you look at what God wants to do in your life, through your life. You take some time to think about it, to consider it. I know that our pastor, Rick Warren, before he came to Saddleback Valley over 30 years ago now, he knew the names of every street in this valley before he moved here because he was looking at a map of the city every single day, thinking about what God wanted to do in this community before he came to start a church here. That's measuring out the dream before you get there. How do you need to do that in a practical way? So first you have the two spies. Also in this chapter, as you're thinking about measuring God's dream in your life, you have the woman by the name of Rahab. Very surprising person in God's hall of fame of faith. In chapter two, the last part of that chapter, they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there. And then skipping down to verse eight, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, that you'll save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. This is an amazing story of faith, an amazing story about how you and I live God's vision for our lives. Here is a prostitute in Jericho. Here is a woman caught in a hopeless lifestyle in a doomed city. You would think there is no way she could live out God's promise for her life except for the power of faith. In verses 10 and 11, Rahab proclaims God's greatness. God in heaven above and on earth below, she says. 
And in verses 12 and 13, she depended for all of her life and her family's life on that greatness. Now you, as you look at your own life and living out God's promise, you may be more like Rahab than the spies. You may be living in defeat right now. You may feel like God could never use you. You're underestimating the power of faith. God has a dream for your life as well. Whatever circumstances you're faced in life, whatever place you find yourself right now in life, God has a promise for your life. If you only you'll begin to trust him right now, right where you are in a new way. The result of Rahab's faith is breathtaking. It takes, it absolutely takes your breath away. Some of you know the end of this story. In Matthew chapter one, verse five, we find out that in the line of Jesus is this woman, Rahab. She becomes part of the line of kings that leads to Jesus Christ being born one day. In Hebrews chapter 11 is God's hall of fame of faith. And you know who's in that hall of fame? This woman, Rahab. She married into Judaism through Salmon. Evidently, she gave her life to the worship of God. And through this, she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. She becomes part of God's hall of fame of faith. If you're thinking God could never use me, he doesn't have a vision anymore for my life, you are wrong. You're just wrong. Rahab's faith is what made the difference. And it wasn't just a get out of the jam kind of faith. It was a trust which persevered. It changed everything about her life. So you'll learn about how to measure God's promise in your life through Rahab. And you also learn about it through a third thing in this chapter, through this scarlet thread. In verse 17, the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you've tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Uh, there's a picture here that's irresistible. You have to be a little careful of Old Testament symbolism, but the scarlet, the color of blood, the blood of Christ protecting our lives, and somehow this picturing what's going to happen thousands and thousands of years later when Jesus gives his life for us. I believe there is a picture here. A scarlet cord proclaims their deliverance, and the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ accomplishes our deliverance. But there's also something very practical happening here. As you measure your dream, Rahab was simply saying that she was visibly putting her trust in God. You want to begin to live out God's dream for your life. And you learn from Rahab. This scarlet cord that she tied around the window, it was a sign that Rahab did not put her faith in the walls of Jericho. Rahab put her faith in the God of Israel. You want to live out God's dream for your life? Where are you putting your faith? The walls of Jericho, that represents the things of this world. That represents what you and I can do. That represents what other people have accomplished. That represents trusting in my work, my energy. But the God of Israel, that's a different kind of trust. The God of Israel is the one we're going to see in a couple of chapters is the God who can cause those walls to crumble. But he's also the God who can build up his promise in your life. And Rahab, this prostitute from a doomed city, has much to teach me, has much to teach us about what real faith is all about. Our Father, I pray for each of us as we see these two examples that you'd help us to trust in the reality of your promise for our lives, your vision for our lives. Some of us are like the spies. 
we have great hope for the future. We're right on the edge of some huge thing that you want to do in our lives, like taking the promised land. Help us to measure it out. Help us to look at what you want to do. Some of us are like Rahab. We feel trapped. We feel ashamed. Maybe even feel doomed. Help us to see that right here, right now, we can put our faith in you. Whatever place we find ourselves, whether we feel supremely confident in what you're doing right now or we're devastated, wondering if it could ever work in our lives again, Lord, help us to see that you have a promise, you have a vision for our lives. Help us to see it today, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, join us next week. We're going to look at how you cross over into living by God's promises.